Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And today we are talking about the fourth week of our Lenten study. Um, We're in the book of Jeremiah. We're finally at the book of comfort. And we're so excited to have our friend Lisa Harper here with us today. Lisa needs no introduction. You already know and love her. Um, She's a Bible teacher. She is Missy's mama. And she is just a dear friend and fellow Nashvillian. So let's go. So Lisa, you are joining us for our fourth week of Lent. Oh, I thought you meant your fourth week. I was like, no, of you haven't. Y'all have been doing this for longer. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, oh, good. we're veterans. We're at least, what, good, good. 15 episodes in? We're yeah, look at something you. like that. We're practically professionals. You are totally professionals. But, I mean, we have been, like, promising this to our yeah. readers. Like, you're going to yeah. get here, and you're going to get the Book of Comfort, and there's just, like, all sorts of messianic, I was going to say delight. I need to settle down. Messianic delight prophecy. Works. Delight works. It works. But... There's just so much good in this week, yeah. and I'm so excited for our listeners to actually get to walk through the scripture this week. We're right. covering, I think, 10 chapters. No, not quite 10. A lot, though. A lot. A lot. And we're reaching the midway point of not just the book of Jeremiah, but the season of Lent yeah. and this right. this reading plan, which is one of the longest that we do the Gooey Center. every year. And it is intentionally a long and enduring season. Right, right. And so to get halfway Which is the is, whole meaning of Lent. a big deal. Right. Yes. What is epistemology? Big word I always forget. But means yeah. length, the lengthening of days. So it's good that this is long. It makes, to me, it makes the dessert so much sweeter mm-hmm. when you've got a long meal. So anyway, this is good. Yeah. Lisa, while we're talking about Lent specifically, mm. will you talk to us about your experience, like, I didn't understand Lent as a child. Mm -hmm. It was new to me as an adult. Mm -hmm. What about you? Did you grow up observing Mm -mm. Lent? No, I did not grow up observing Lent. My mom is Baptist to the bone. And so I I think she even associated Lent with almost meritorious behavior because in our hometown, some people associated Lent with it being part of what we bring to the table to get saved. Like it was necessary salvifically. And so my mom was almost opposed to Lent. Like when I'd see people on Ash Wednesday with that ash mark on their forehead, I'd think, I need to pray for them. They're going straight to hell. You know, they're going to step on the grease tube and just slide there. Yeah, they're so confused. And so it wasn't until I was in college. Did you say a greased tomb? A grease tube. A grease tube. Yeah, okay. that's how I used to think of hell when I was okay, little. Yeah. There's this grease tube that led straight to the place that was H-E with double hockey sticks. Yeah. And there was just this real permeable lid over it. And if I, you know, drank or smoked or danced uh-huh. or any of those things, went with boys that did, that mm-hmm. I would step on it and shoop, And just I'd right. Just and there was yeah. no going back. Straight. Yeah, straight. To you remember to I told you a couple place. weeks ago, my grandma once said to me that hoop earrings are the devil's stirrups and he'll ride me straight to hell. Oh, you're... <laughs> Awesome. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I know Rachel well enough where like a lot of her stories I've heard before, but that one, she told that into a room of women and I'd never heard it and I just almost couldn't recover. I mean, that's awesome. 
Because I did have a woman one time confront me in a church and tell me I was a Jezebel because I was wearing a short sleeve shirt. Oh. Now, not a tank top, mind you. Nobody needs to see that. You can't unsee my hanging down parts. Just, <laughs> I was showing my elbows. Yeah. And, Your but elbows. to her, you know, we did come, she use the word Jezebel? Because my grandma did. Straight up used the word Jezebel, yeah. okay. pointed at me and told me God pointed. would never use me unless I lost my Jezebel spirit. That's really hard. Yeah. But it's interesting, which brings us back to Lynn. Let's bring it back around. How much we bring bring to the table that we think is biblically defensible and it's not. And of course, there's a lot of church history around Lent. You can't find Lent exactly the way we practice it in scripture. You can find a paradigm for it in scripture. But no, I didn't grow up. It wasn't until I was in college and I got way into studying the old dead guys, Mm -hmm. many of whom come from ecclesiastical backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds. I started studying Augustine and just all these different guys. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think... I think I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mm. think I want to have something, at least a season where I'm thinking about the cross more. Yeah. Now, in this point, what I think about Lent is I got a new car like a year ago because things were falling off my old car. Mm-hmm. And on the, I That's try to, usually when it's time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's time. I mean, I try to drive them until like they're <laughs> undrivable. And so lots of technology has happened since right. I bought a new vehicle. Well, this car has what they call a heads-up display in the dashboard. Or not dashboard, windshield. Yeah. So when I'm driving, driving over here, I can always see how fast I'm going related to the speed limit because the speed limit it'll be red Mm -hmm. what I'm going if I'm over the speed limit so it's just always in front of me my speed that's what I think of Lent I think Lent puts the cross in our frame of reference I think we are always thinking about the cross during that season of Lent here's what I do think as a Christ follower I don't think our view of the cross should be limited to Lent yeah. I think it's a great it's mm-hmm. a great season for us to be mindful mm-hmm. of the cross, for us to be sober about our sin, put Jesus on the cross. But I think for Christians, there should always be a Lent. It's like we should celebrate Christmas every day. Mm-hmm. Lent should be somewhere in our consciousness every day, not just these 40 days leading up to Easter. Yeah. yeah. The cross and resurrection of Jesus should be the lens through which Absolutely. we see the world. 100%. Our framework. That should be our heads up. Right. I mean, you're right. Right. I love that analogy. I do too. And, and now I won't be able to look at heads up display. But you know how heads, heads up display, even if you're not focused on it, you're looking at the road or heaven forbid, you're looking at your phone. It's in your frame of reference. So even if it's subconscious, you always can see that number. It's not your peripheral vision. Yeah. It's front, a little low center, but it's always there. So I don't know where this works theologically, but I have a pair of sunglasses that have, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a blue light filter or it has some sort of yeah. reflectiveness that when yeah. I put them on, I can't see the heads up display anymore. Ooh. Tie that in for me, Lisa. Oh, wow. That's profound. Yeah, I think I that's culture. Yeah. In Jeremiah, you see culture getting in the way of the cross. I think we do that all the time in post-postmodern culture. I think we confuse charisma with anointing. Mm -hmm. I think we confuse popularity with pleasing God. And that's what you see. Jeremiah was always to me the saddest of the prophets. He's the Mm -hmm. weeping prophet, but Mm -hmm. he also in this day and age would not have a podcast because he didn't have great efficacy in his ministry because nobody got saved. Yeah. But he stayed the course. Mm -hmm. You know, he was not swayed Mm -hmm. about what people said who presumed to be religious leaders, which you see of the course of this reading. He stayed the course. And I think, again, that brings us back to Lent. 
Eugene Peterson says obedience is a long walk in the same direction. That's Lent. Yeah. And the Christian life. That's right. That's both. Both and, and they shouldn't be segregated. But the idea that we have this view of the cross and it can be obscured, it can be filtered out. Because we're saying Lent is a good filter. Mm -hmm. Lent keeps the cross front and center, but there are filters that are the antithesis of Lent that effectively remove the cross from Mm -hmm. our consciousness. Mm -hmm. So it does. I mean, reading this book feels that way. Mm -hmm. It feels like, because, you know, we've discussed in the weeks prior so far, we've discussed that it's not chronological, that you're kind of how the structure is unique to the book and how we do learn so much about our weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's so much about judgment and God's wrath and their sin and then God's love Mm -hmm. and his heart for their hearts. And so we get to this point in the book and that book of comfort section is such a like... It's like water in the desert, isn't it? It's like it makes me physically take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. But tell me about, what's your relationship to this book? What do these chapters do in the heart Mm -hmm. of Lisa Harper when you're reading this? Well, of course you love the comfort. And I mean, so many of us, if you're raised in church, and I was raised, you know, started attending church when I was in utero, and Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to have seen these stories flannel graphed. And so, of course, I was familiar with the comfort chapter. You are pretty early if you're raised in a faith tradition. But I didn't start studying Jeremiah in proper context until I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. and I can tell you exactly when. I went through my first real deep pit, and I called my mom, and I expected her to like send chocolate or tell me, you know, the rest of the world was wrong, and I was her sweet baby, and I was right. And she said, I want you to start reading Isaiah and Jeremiah. And I was like, okay. Like, can I read a psalm or something kind of perky? Like, this is just a bummer. You know, I was in youth ministry. And so everything I brought to the table in my 20s and 30s was more, you know, happy, happy, happy. You know, Mm -hmm. if you put your hope in Jesus, you'll be happy. I didn't know what it was to grieve. And you study the life in Jeremiah and you go, wow, grief and joy are intertwined in Scripture. You wouldn't have the comfort chapter if he didn't need to be comforted. And you've got to remember, Jeremiah, just like us, is human. So all he saw was what was right in front of him. He didn't understand the redemptive context he was living in. We get to be on this side of the cross and go, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Just you wait, Jeremiah. Jesus is coming. He had to be faithful when he didn't see the cross, which is stinking unbelievable. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. And I just, I don't know that I've thought of specifically that as we've talked about him I mean of course he didn't but Mm -hmm. at the same time I don't know I guess you're just like well Old Testament prophets like they had to kind of know right Right. and you're like well no I mean they 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 know what God tells them faint hope based on the prophecy they didn't understand the cross they understood the sacrificial system Mm -hmm. so they might have had some inkling But you stop and think Job, Jeremiah and Job, it's the J's and it's the grief Mm -hmm. and the weeping that they remind me of each other. But remember how at the end of Job, he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He uses some messianic language that is new in that part of Holy Writ. But what's so cool to me is you go, that's before anything was restored. Mm -hmm. He was still grieving. He Mm -hmm. was still in the midst of loss. He was still in a pit, and yet he experienced comfort. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see in Jeremiah, and that's what we practice in Lent, is that even in our repentance, when we recognize crud had my sin put him on that tree, Mm -hmm. even in that there's comfort. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've grown to love about Jeremiah is learning to just sit 
and realize that remorse for my sin and joy over his mercy can coexist. Yeah. And because our God is a redemptive God, it's not even that joy and suffering coexist. It's that somehow they're more than intertwined. Like the joy can come through the suffering and he can transform the suffering. And it's, I don't understand it at all. My mind's too dinky, you know, but my finitude doesn't limit his faithfulness. I think you're saying it better than I did. I think the suffering you see in Jeremiah actually makes the veil thinner. I think that's why he gets to comfort is in that grief. And, you know, nobody's applauding him. He's not getting any likes (laughs) on social media. Oh, no, the opposite. They're they're saying you deserve to die Mm -hmm. for what's coming out of your mouth and your view of God. I mean, this guy is just so persecuted. And yet even in the midst of that, Mm -hmm. he finds the comfort of God. So I really believe hard times make the veil thinner for us, that we see God bigger Mm -hmm. through grief and pain and suffering, not trying to sound like, you know, I'm a pessimist. I'm always a glasses half full kind of girl. But I've also learned that there was a lid on my joy because I wouldn't go to the deep places with God. Mm. When I learned to start diving a little deeper with God and trust him in my dark nights of the soul, it's like that lid over my joy just got blown off. And I feel like the level of joy I experience with God is commiserate, is directly related to my trust in him in the deep places. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You say, Lisa, like that they were like, no, he's got to die. But Mm -hmm. that's, I mean... If you're reading the day this episode is released, like chapter 26, we have in verse eight, you must surely die. How dare you prophesy in the name of the Lord, this temple. And then they go on in verse 11, this man deserves the death sentence because Mm -hmm. he has prophesied against this city, as you've heard with your own ears. And then later he says in verse 15, but know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood on yourselves on this city. It's so like Jesus. Right. Because what's happening is, and Amanda and I were talking about this a couple days ago, that I think in culture today, and I'm part of this, like, okay, I think we've arrived at the solution here. You know, there's sort of the the camp of like truth, 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 and the camp of love, 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 and going like, well, it has to be truth and love, and then it's good. Right. But what you see, even in chapter 26 or in the whole book of Jeremiah, Mm -hmm. what you see Mm -hmm. is truth and love. Yeah. And you see rejection of the truth. Absolutely. And that's what we don't want to talk about in 2020, 2021. We don't want to talk about rejection. We forget that the gospel is the stench of death to those who are dying. But you see this theme all throughout scripture. You know, Acts, over and over again, Acts reveals that for us to grow spiritually, it presupposes rejection. Mm -hmm. There is an opposition that works like miracle grow on our faith. But we don't want to hear that. We want to have our likes on social media. We want to have popularity mm-hmm. and spiritual maturity. And I and think comfort. oftentimes, right, and comfort. And those are not always congruent. Yeah. Yeah. And he keeps saying, even in the passages that you were just reading, Rachel, in like verse 12 and then again in verse 15, but the Lord has sent me, but the Lord has mm-hmm. sent me. And there are those times mm-hmm. in the book, even when Jeremiah himself is like, please don't make me keep right. doing this, but right. you've sent me. And so I'm going to keep going. And it's, you know, and that's very reminiscent of, it won't be long before we'll be reading Jesus words in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. where he's like, don't make me do this. That's right. Mm-hmm. But... 
That's right. I will. You not, know, not my will, but right. yours. And yeah. here's right. the thing, because earlier in the book of Jeremiah, there are also false prophets who are sure. saying, like, the Lord has sent me, peace, peace, no harm will come to you. Sure. And Jeremiah's going, like, this guy is not from the Lord. Right. Don't listen to him. Well, no, I think that's profound, because if someone's preaching a, a gospel that doesn't include a cross, mm-hmm. it's a false gospel. Mm-hmm. And we love in our culture to talk about how Jesus is, you know, Mr. Warm and Fuzzy with Brett Girl hair extensions, and Jesus is all about embracing us, which is true. Mm-hmm. But Jesus also said, I came with a sword. Mm-hmm. And so we love accessible Jesus, exclusive Jesus mm-hmm. that says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through me. The cross is repugnant to our culture. Mm-hmm. And it's God's love that insists that no other gospel be preached. Because we get in tomorrow's reading when we're in Sorry, we're jumping ahead. No, Mm -hmm. that's good. We're talking about the whole week. Um, We're just jumping through. Okay, good. Oh, that's Good. good. In Jeremiah 28, we get Hananiah. Yep. And so in verse 15, when, you know, after Hananiah has kind of said his piece and the prophet Jeremiah said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord did not send you, but you have led these people to trust in a lie. That's mm-hmm. right. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to send you off the face of the earth. You will die this year because yeah. this. And so it's God's love for his people right. that insists on this. Like, that's not going to work. Like truth adjacent mm-hmm. is not going to work. That's Almost right. truth. Not going to work. No. Something that looks like truth. Yeah. It's Only not horseshoes work. and hand grenades. Right. Yeah, it doesn't work. For your listeners to be encouraged, those that feel yeah. like Jeremiah's the season and feel like, you know what, my whole small group is truth adjacent or, or my friends just think I'm a nut job because I really believe the Bible is authoritative. For them to be encouraged, because as you see with the false prophets, disobedience may score some dramatic points in the short game. But disobedience will never win the long game. Our God is sovereign. And what I love about Jeremiah is even if he didn't stay the course, God was still sovereign. Right. So, I mean, we can't lose Psalm 84, 11. No good thing will he withhold if we're just limping toward him. As long as we're moving toward God, we don't have to know all the answers. Just know he is perfectly merciful in the process. So when you can't see around the corner, we've got to remember Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. For us, we know he's coming again because we're in the already, but the not yet. But that's, again, why I think the practice of Lent is so important because it reminds us, oh, yeah, even though I can't see the miracle, it's around the corner. He promised that. And so we're on day 24. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a dear and precious verse to many. Yeah. And I think it's possible that many of those many maybe aren't familiar with that whole chapter or let's say even the whole book of Jeremiah. Let's talk about this. Like let's unpack Mm. what that means. Let's talk about it. Okay. So let me read the passage and I'm going to read the verse and then I'm going to back the lens up a little bit and read it in some context. So the verse that you're talking about, Rachel, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration plans for your well being, not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So I'm reading that from the CSB. And even, I mean, I want us to talk about this whole chapter, but I'm just going to back that up just a little bit and yeah, start please. at 10. Because you don't get how right? amazing that is. It's like Romans 8, 28. Yeah. If you don't back up to the beginning of Romans 8, you don't you need get how great the promise is. Yeah. yeah. It's how, one of those like, that's good, but there's something right. even better. Right. Even it's, better. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I'm going to back us up. We're going to do 10 through 14. And then I want us to back up even further and, and start at the, the, start at the first of 29. Yeah. Okay. So now this is verse 10. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will Mm. restore you to the place from which I deported you. Mm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we needed to stand for that one. Mm -hmm. Right. We needed to take off our shoes and Mm -hmm. stand for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about, Lisa, back us up even further. What's happening here? Well, and they go together. The very beginning of Jeremiah and the comfort passage that we're so familiar with. Goodness gracious, Mm -hmm. they're hand in glove because you've got to remember they're exiled. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think the exile is punishment. And he's saying, no, the exile is your calling. This pain is not punitive. This pain is a promotion. I'm actually going to use this season to refine you. And I think so many of us go, if I could just get to Canaan. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but it's prior to Canaan that I'm actually raising you up. This is actually where I'm refining you. So he's saying what you see as punishment, I actually providentially have put this chapter in your story so that you'll look more like me. So when you get to comfort, he's reminding him that socio-historical context is critical in Jeremiah 29. He's not saying everything's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. He's saying even the difficult chapters in your story, you will have such access to me that you'll have comfort. And I want you to remember, even when you think, oh, goodness, I feel alone. I feel like I'm in exile. Every single thing that I'm allowing to come into your life that's filtered through my sovereign, merciful hands is for your good and my glory. So remember, the plans I have for you are good. He's always good. Mm -hmm. He's not just good when we feel good. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about this for a second, Lisa, because I see, I see when I read this, the exile as, I see it as punitive. I mm-hmm. see it as disciplinary, you know, like, and you look at redemptive history and the, like the rhythm of like yeah. being with God and then exiled and starting yeah. in Eden and yeah. then the sin and they're exiled from Eden. Yeah. And even here, had they listened to the Lord, had Judah obeyed sure. God's sure. words, they wouldn't have been exiled. There are consequences to sin. Obviously, there's a consequence here to their disobedience. However... But what you're saying is they're not alone. They're not going away from God. When I first brought Missy home from Haiti, before she spoke any English, one of the first things I taught her, because they had no traffic where she was from in Haiti because they had no cars. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things I taught her is, baby, anytime we're in a parking lot, we tend to be in the Target parking lot relatively often. I hope I didn't cause a boycott for y'all on that. But anyway, um, I think we need to be salt and light there too. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say, honey, in this parking lot, these people who are backing up can't see you. You're too little. And I said, so you hold my hand anytime we're in a parking lot. Otherwise you will be a pancake. That was one of the first English words she used. Pancake. She learned was pancake. <laughs> and she was like, I'd be pancake. And I was like, you'll be a pancake. And she said, well, I'd be a dead pancake. I said, you will be a dead pancake. 
she's 10 years old. She still grabs for my hand Mm -hmm. when we get to a parking lot, even though now cars can see her. Was that punitive that I told her to hold my hand? No, Mm -mm. it's because I love my kid. Mm -hmm. I love her. So some would see that as discipline. I see that as mercy. Mm -hmm. I love my baby girl. I want their best for her. Mm -hmm. Yes, this was a response to their disobedient, Mm -hmm. but in the canopy of God's kindness, this was merciful. And he said, lest you forget a good father disciplines his children because he loves them. I want you to remember my plans for you are always good. I love you. Mm -hmm. Even in the dark, you can lean into me. You won't see my back. Even in Babylon, I will be with you. It's a saying like, you're in danger. That's right. You are not safe. Right. Come here. I'm not going to let you sabotage the intimacy with me that I created you for. Let's go to Babylon. That's right. If you're anything like me, you have heard many different promises over the years. But have you ever asked yourself what the Bible says about God's promises? We are so excited to announce our brand new study book called Promises of God. Our team has spent months in prayer, study, and discussion to put together this Bible reading plan that's packed full of helpful extras, daily essays, and promises based on biblical truth. You know we love our podcast listeners, so use the code PROMISES15 for 15% off this study. That's PROMISES15 for 15% off. Now back to the show. And the instructions are so interesting in this hmm. chapter leading up the oh, verses please, leading please, please up go to there. This, I love this. Where okay, so in verse four, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported mm-hmm. from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Mm -hmm. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. And it's so fascinating to me that like, if I put my child in time out, they're not allowed to play while they're in time out. I'm like, you sit there and you look at the wall and you think about what you did. And like, no, 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 nobody else talks to them. They're sitting there, they're serving their time. But God doesn't say like, okay, well now you're in the place that I've deported you to. Yeah, Yeah, like, so Mm -mm. you're going to, you need to sit there and you need to wallow and be miserable until I'm ready to bring you back into my goodness. here is a Mago day. He's saying, even though you are being disciplined out of my mercy for your disobedience, you still reflect my image. So I want you to be model homes in a messy culture. Mm -hmm. So you still, even in Babylon, I want y'all to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. I want you to live in such a way that people go, who is their God? This Jehovah is different Mm -hmm. than our Asherah pole. Goodness gracious, there's hope. And even though they've lost everything that mattered to them, or so we thought, they've lost their homes. They've walked away from everything that was comfortable to them, everything that defined them. They're still in Babylon singing songs and hugging their kids and planting gardens and, and praying for and us and praying for us and working for our and thriving. So this too, I don't want to get y'all in trouble, but there are some things I do that when I was growing up, I was taught, don't do that. Don't do that. That's of the world. And I'm like, but I want to bring the hope of Christ to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's sometimes, I won't even name the holiday, but there is a holiday that most Christians have cows about, proverbial cows, not literal cows, <laughs> that I have full-size candy bars. 
Because I'm like, I don't want the kids in my neighborhood to go, oh, there's the grumpy Christ-following Christians. Now I'm not going to have witches and goblins. Now is when you're going to get all the hate mail because everybody knows the holiday I'm talking about. It's not really a holiday, but we can talk about the Christian calendar, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, (laughs) if a child traipses up my driveway in whatever costume, I'm going to hug that kid. I'm going to talk about the glory of the fall colors that God gave it. And I'm giving them two or three full-size candy bars (laughs) because I want them to go, oh, my goodness, that lady loved me so hard. I like her. I want to go back to her house. Mm -hmm. So I think we always should be looking for, even in difficult seasons, how can I plant a garden here? Mm-hmm. Even in exile, I'm with you, but right. even in exile, live unto me. Even in exile, be Imago Day. Yeah. And it goes back to our, yeah. the very first episode of this series where we went back to the garden and said, why was man created? To reflect right. God to the That's world. Right. And right. what happened with Judah was they started reflecting the world to the world. That's right. And he's saying, okay, exile reflect me to the world. That's right. Reflect. And that's what's so amazing is like, even when they're booted out of the garden, you know, the word drove out there in Genesis three is I'll probably mispronounce it. So I'm not going to even go there, but in Hebrew it's to herd. It's used redemptively in Exodus. In other words, what he's saying to Adam and Eve is if you come back in the garden, eat from the tree of life, you're going to be forever frozen, separated from me. So even though this looks punitive. Mm -hmm. You're being herded out of the garden. I'm actually beginning redemption and restoration here. You matter so much to me. I'm not going to let you sabotage your destiny and your future. So anytime God disciplines us, his motive is always the father heart of God. It's always for our good. So when he says, my plans for you are good, Mm -hmm. even when it's chafing, even when it's discipline, he's saying no matter what, my plans for you are good. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that when we're sitting in a season that's sad, mm-hmm. in a season that doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. in a season where we're sitting in the consequence of our sin or our rebellion. But to know that even there, God has not turned his back on us. Mm-hmm. Even there, he says, you are my kid. And even when you're not living faithful, I'm going to refine you and remind you that I love you. I've got this. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole book of comfort, like it just keeps going. Yeah. Like it is truly an oasis in the Mm -hmm. middle of this. Like I've now turned the page to, I'm in Jeremiah 30, which is day 25 of our reading this week. Mm. But just scanning down through, let's see, look at verse 10. Mm-hmm. As for you, my servant Jacob, do not be afraid. This is the Lord's declaration. And That's do right. not be discouraged, Israel, for without fail, I will save you out of right. a distant place, your descendants from the land of their captivity. And it just keeps going. And I love this. And look at that the happens. end of 11 in light of what we were just talking about. Oh, what is that? Let's see. I will NASB. discipline you in just measure. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to spank you when my brows are furrowed. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about me spanking you in anger. Even Mm -hmm. when I discipline you, it will be just, Mm -hmm. y'all probably don't remember. She passed away years ago, but a woman who used to to speak a lot at Christian women's conferences, her name is Barbara Johnson. And Mm -hmm. she used to say, and it's one of those things, you know how you never forget it. She used to say, I remember the first time she said it, she said, we are Easter people living in a good Friday world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you go, no, that's good. And that's what that comfort passage Mm -hmm. reminds us of. I love what Jeremiah does here, what the Lord does here. In verse 13, you have no defender for your case. There is no remedy for your sores and no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you and they no 
longer look for you. You know, there's so much talk about idols and these false loves. Like mm-hmm. they're the reason for that loving discipline mm-hmm. and that like, I'm going to hold your hand mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's what a loving father does right. is because there's this, like there's no remedy for you. There's no that's healing right. for you. But Jesus, you know, because you keep going in verse 17, but I will bring you health and I will heal you of your wounds. This is the Lord's declaration. I mean, those two verses, Amanda, like this is the gospel right here. Verse 12, that says your injury is incurable, your Mm -hmm. wound most severe. Mm -hmm. And then to verse 17, but I will bring you health and will heal you of your wounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating this parental strategy, but I will never forget it. Years ago, my little brother's eight years younger than me. And my mom found out he had been smoking cigarettes with the neighbor boy. He was probably 10 years old at the time, about Missy's age, y'all's kid's age. And so my dad, my stepfather, smoked cigars at the time. And so my mother, who, again, super, super conservative, I'd never seen her do anything like this before or after. But she took my little brother to our sunroom and she said, all right, you want to smoke? Here you go. And she handed him a cigar and my little brother got Green. I mean, he got so sick, never smoked again. He's done other things, but he's never (laughs) been a smoker. And I think, you know what? She let him taste the bitterness of his disobedience, of his sin, if you will. And I think that's what God is saying here. I want you to actually sit in this sorrow. I want you to sit in the consequence of sin long enough that it becomes distasteful to you mm-hmm. for you to realize this sore is not going away. I need divine healing. And the truth about this story is that it's not all bunned up here. Mm-mm. Like the book of comfort, Mm-mm. it's the gooey center. It's yeah. the breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. But Jeremiah goes on. That's right. And so do the people of Israel. So yeah. do the people of Judah. And Real life, real people, whew, real consequences. Yeah. Re- and it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And so we're grateful for this because it reveals so much about God's character, about who God is, which is why we read the prophets, Lisa, right. to not miss out on right. these really important ways to learn about God and his discipline and how it's done in justice and in love. You know what I think is so cool about the way you do your reading plans? And we've got Matthew and we've got kind of hope in the midst of the hard, not the soft gooey center of Jeremiah, mm-hmm. is that a professor of mine, he says this, I think it's so beautiful. He says, redemption is not linear It is actually a circumference. He Mm. said it's 360. His name is Dr. Don Payne. He's who I'm one of the professors I'm doing a doctorate under. And he said, when we walk backwards through Holy Writ, we should trip over God's grace. Mm. When we walk backwards through Jeremiah and we're living in the already but not yet part, he couldn't see it. But we can go, oh, wow, even there God was good. We Mm -hmm. should see it everywhere. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we should. Yeah. It's 360, it and we tend right to think foot. of it as just the cross and forward. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. Redemption and restoration is it's 360. I love it's that. past, present, future. So good. And we just keep going. If we keep going, you guys, we're almost to our key verse. The key passage, our, yeah. Yeah, our key passage for the book of Jeremiah and for this Lenten study. And it comes in, it's verse 33, but this new covenant passage starting in verse 31 Ray, do you want to read that for us? I feel like I've sure. read a lot. Mm, oh, I'd love beautiful. to. It says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. 
the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me Mm. from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This is the word of the Lord. Mm. Thanks be to God. That last line, for I will forgive their iniquity and Mm. never again remember their sin. N.T. Wright says that Easter reframed humanity and no longer were we titled lost, but we were titled forgiven. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our new name is forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. I did love the way y'all had that in the reading guide, the, new and old in mm-hmm. the comparison. I did love that yeah. oh, because you. you've got to remember he's old covenant. And when we look back again, it's that tripping over grace because he had the hope, but it was only a shadow. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we live in new covenant, we can look back and go, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah. Should galvanize us today. Yeah. Yeah. So what Lisa's talking about is pages 158 and 159 in the study books. We have this extra called the New Covenant where we're actually comparing this old covenant, Mm -hmm. the covenant until that point. And then Jeremiah is sort of ushering in this new covenant, Mm -hmm. which is what Jesus refers to at the Lord's table saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, that the new covenant comes to pass with Jesus. It's fulfilled and mediated by Jesus. Right, right. And so in that extra, there's really like a, a line item. You know, the old covenant was initiated with Israel, mediated by Moses, where the new covenant prophesied by Jeremiah mm-hmm. and then fulfilled in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes down one after the other. Yeah. I heard someone preach recently, very well-intentioned pastor, but I vehemently disagreed with him <laughs> because he said, when we look back, we wreck He said, we should always be looking forward. And I thought, well, maybe he skipped Deuteronomy and Jeremiah Hmm. and Isaiah because they all tell us, remember, remember, have Ebenezer's in your lives. Mm -hmm. Remember what God has done for you. I think what Jeremiah does for us as New Covenant believers is we look back and I have so much respect for him because I'm like, goodness gracious, he only had a glimmer of the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. We can look back and see the sovereign faithfulness of God. He did exactly as he promised. You know, I did that just this Sunday. We have a church that we go to, but for 10 years, we went to another church, downtown Franklin, Mm -hmm. and we had friends in town and they wanted to, they said, we'd like to go to a small church in a downtown. And I just said, let's go there. Right, right. And so we sat in those pews that we hadn't been in for a couple of years And I was so taken by Mm -hmm. sitting in that room and looking at places that I had sat where the Lord had met me and say, you know, that's where my whole church laid hands on us when we got Mm. our daughter's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And that's the pew where we sat during her memorial service. Mm. And here's where we sat when we met with our pastor because Oliver wanted to give his life to Christ and wanted to Mm. like ask questions Mm. before he did. And the going back, I had forgotten Mm -hmm. and being in that place reminded me of the Lord's hand on our family and on me and on my, my kids. And it's just beautiful. It's so good to go back in scripture, but also to go back in our own lives and remember that the Lord's hand is at work and has been and and to not forget that. And I honestly talked to my pastor of that church and was just like, Hey, I need to come back. I need to come back every quarter or every six months. And I need to remember this because not just the building, but the people to see those people and remember the way they prayed for us and our family. I mean, that's the building where she reads truth started, which is amazing. And again, that 
takes us full circle back to Lent. Yeah. Lent facilitates yes. spiritual remembrance. Yeah. Because when you remember the sins, the sobriety of our own personal sin that caused us to need a Savior, you also remember what you've been forgiven for. Yeah. When I look back over my life and I go, goodness gracious, if I was divine creator, I would have fried me into a grease spot a long time ago. I would have said that girl is so, so stubborn and so hard of hearing. And she's going to take a really, really long time to refine in the smallest ways. I think I'm just going to remove my hand from her. And he never does that. Even at her worst, he calls us wonderful. So I think going back to Lent, it helps us remember just like you did in that sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what we have to do next. Here's the part of the episode that I just love. Okay. After, I mean, we're never going to make it through a whole week ever in any episode. It feels like. <laughs> oh, I was almost there. Oh, wait. We you were? Uh, go, don't we only go. have one day left? Okay. I don't know. Maybe That's we missed another one. That's why your maiden name is Bible. Because Amanda you can Bible. stay on course, baby. Okay, listen. We'll, we'll get to my part next because I really want to hear Amanda take us. We can't leave just one day. Okay, we have to, we have to go to the last day. So in day 26, we're reading Jeremiah 32. It speaks so much to the diamond point stylus and then the inscribing his word on our hearts. In verse 38, it's sort of reiterating this covenant, right? Like they will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them integrity of heart and action so they will fear me always for their good and for the good of their descendants after them. I love that integrity of heart because it's not just a like, okay, I'm just going to erase what you've done and we're going to start over because we know ourselves, right? And Mm -hmm. Israel, we know Israel, we've read Mm -hmm. the story, Mm -hmm. but it is a new life that is given. I will give them integrity of heart and they will know me. And then Amanda, look at verse 40, the language here, I will make a permanent covenant with them. I will never turn away from doing good to them and I will put fear of me in their hearts so they will never again turn away from me i will take delight Mm. in them to do Mm. what is good for them and with all my heart and mind i will faithfully plant them in this land so when chapter 17 says that our sin is written on our hearts like an iron stylus with a diamond point iron stylus with a diamond point is permanent in comparison to Mm -hmm. god's faithful love yeah it's romans 8 what can keep us yeah. You know, what can separate us? Not even death, baby. Right. Yeah. Okay. And now, honestly, I'm glad that we stopped and, and finished, not only because this is the first episode where we've finished an entire week of reading, but it feels like just the right place to come in and have that response yeah. as not just people who want to talk about what we're reading, but really respond to it and confess our need for God and then yeah. find assurance of his pardon in his word. And I just like so much that we're doing this for this series. So... If y'all have your books, it's on page 164. But Amanda, will you read the Confession of Sin this week from the Book of Common Prayer? And then Lisa, will you read our Assurance of Pardon from Psalm 32? Sure. This is our Confession of Sin. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you guys for that. And then one of my favorite parts, if there could be a favorite part, I mean, you know, we just spent an hour, maybe not an hour, maybe 40 minutes. It'll, Who we'll even see. knows? Time Who flies when knows? you're chatting with Lisa Harper. <laughs> but we've just spent time talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find in scripture. Mm-hmm. And boy, is it beautiful mm-hmm. and good and true. It's amazing. And I like to look down and do that and then look up and find beauty, goodness, and truth in our lives mm. because that too is from the Lord. Yeah. And Lisa, what do you got? You know, Miss and I are reading through Sally Lloyd-Jones, yeah. the Jesus Storybook Bible, which I adore. I would tattoo her name on my ankle if I was braver about needles. <laughs> but we were studying David last night. You know, Missy's 10, English is a second language, and so sometimes... She gets it, and sometimes I can't tell she does or not. Anyway, I was explaining to her how Jesus came through the lineage of David and how even David gives us kind of a type of Christ in his kingship. And I said, baby, how would you describe Jesus, the king who came through the lineage of David? And her eyes got really big, and she went, he is a big God who loves me. Wow. And you know how you just go, that's enough. That's like, enough. I'm good. Yep. Yeah. I don't have to have a high metabolism or hair that's not chemically dependent. I don't have to have anything else this <laughs> week. Like, that is enough. It's just when you see your kids begin to believe that God loves them, it just slays me. I mean, it wasn't just an answer to your question, Lisa, right. but it was a statement of faith. Yeah, a little testimony. It, it's, a, like, yeah. it's like Thomas saying, my Lord and my God. That's right. That's beautiful. That's right. That was definitely probably my beautiful thing for the month. Beautiful, good, and true. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Rachel, what's yours? Oh, well, it's not hoop earrings. That's what it's not. No, they are the devil's stirrups, or they so I've the heard. The <laughs> wise woman once, once said. Uh, it's amazing that we both have women in our family who used the word Jezebel liberally. I know. Yeah. I know. And That's, I wore it for a while, but now yeah. instead I wear giant hoops. Yeah. We are recording a couple of podcasts. I mean, to give you guys a behind the scenes, we're recording a couple episodes today. And in between, but while we were waiting for Lisa to come, Lisa, you were right on time. Way to go. Thank you. Proud thank of you. you. But in between, we had a little bit of time and we were waiting for lunch. And I just thought, you know what I could do with 15 minutes is bake a batch of cookies. And so I just, as I was doing it, this is a dance that I've danced for decades. Yeah. And it wasn't pull out the recipe card and it wasn't double check. It was just, I know the measurements and I know the ingredients. And I know that if I do oh, this. Oh, you baked, baked. This wasn't slice and bake. No. Oh, right, you because- and you did that in 15 minutes? You should be punched in the throat for even, that. She was talking to us. That's just not fair. She was talking to us. She wasn't even really paying attention to what she was doing. That's stinking amazing. It's just something that I love. We all have things that yeah. we love. Like I was thinking about the other day, something, you know, my training is interior design. Mm-hmm. And so I was like looking at floor plans and digesting them and realizing, you know, in, in conversation, usually I digest things more quickly on a floor right. plan than others. And I was like, I read floor plans like some people read music. Mm. Like you can just hear the music when you read it. Some people, I cannot. But I can walk through the house when I see a floor plan. I love that, Rach. And in the same way, I think for me, it's one of the most satisfying ways to use my hands, especially when people are in my house, because at the end, the end result is like to have a chocolate chip (laughs) cookie to offer all of my friends when they're here. So Lisa, they're upstairs. Do you know what I love? I will get, get in just a minute. But you know what I love about God giving you the gift of interior design? We were talking about lenses and the things that help us mm-hmm. see God more clearly. I think you have an advantage in that you know how to look for beauty. Yeah, I agree with that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's a sweet advantage to get to have is just say like, wow, Lord, 
Mm-hmm. But I think we all have that lens. I think it's we just have different. It. I don't think we exercise it sometimes, yeah. but absolutely we all have it. Or that. even like we may not be aware of what it is, but mm-hmm. we all have some sort of lens that's so unique. So here, it's this less will, it's less chocolate chip cookies that are my beauty, goodness, and truth. It's the getting to use my hands and combine yeah. ingredients to make a sweet smile and to taste bless somebody else for my people. And I'm assuming since this is where we're recording, she reads truth. If I eat one or two or seven of those, the carbs won't count. No, they do not. Okay, that's cool. how it works. Uh-huh. Yeah, I if that was so. true in my house at all times, I'd be mind in you. My business. pants do not agree with that, <laughs> but my heart believes that. <laughs> Amanda, what's yours? So, our mutual friend Ellie Holcomb mm. has done another magical thing in her own unique way, talking about lenses and seeing beauty. She has a way of looking at the world, and she has a way of stringing together mm-hmm. words that's so simply beautiful, and I mean that in. To make words that are simply beautiful is a very hard thing to Mm -hmm. do. But she has a new children's book, and we're big fans of her first book and the children's record that she released with it. And she's done that again. It's called Don't Forget to Remember. Mm. And there's an album that goes with it. And I haven't listened through the album yet. But I have read the book, and it is beautifully sweet, and the illustrations are wonderful. And she in the way that only a dear friend named Ellie Holcomb can do, had the illustrator draw our Toby in on the last page oh, of the book. Amanda. I should have brought it. At I what point it. did you oh, know that? that's lovely. She, she asked my permission a while back, but she oh, had already goodness. had it drawn. And so she what? texted me like a photo of the proof. You're kidding. And this was when Toby was still in the hospital. And I had honestly, I'd forgotten because I knew the book was coming out, but it, so much time had passed. And when she asked me was back when he was preparing to hopefully release from the hospital. And there was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. And so several months elapsed. And then I get her book that I pre-ordered because I love her and she's my friend and that's what you do for your friends. And it comes in the mail and I remember as soon as I opened it, oh, this is the book. Yeah. So I handed it to him when I got it and I turned to that page and I said, Toby, look at these kids. Do you see anyone you know? And he's like, hmm, because he does that. He says, hmm. And he starts like (laughs) looking at all the kids and pointing them out. And he didn't catch it at first. And I pointed to him and I said, who does that look like? Wait, does that look like you? And he goes, that's me. That's Toby. And then after that, he just dove into the book. He was looking at every single detail in the book, but he just kept coming back to that page. And so later, he's very chill about things that the rest of us are like bawling our eyes out over, you know. And so he, as every family member came home that day, he would show them. He was like, look, look at this book. It's me. Ellie's book is Toby. It was just the (laughs) sweetest thing. So. Oh, that's a good. Our friend Ellie. It it. is. All right. Girls and boys, if we have guy listeners too, you're welcome. But he reads truth. Yeah. Hey, friends, thank you for joining us this week. And you are going into the fourth week of Lent. And and we are excited for you to be in Jeremiah this week. And then next week, come back because speaking of Sally Lloyd Jones. Oh, I love her. She is going to be our guest next week. Um, We have some really great guests coming through the rest of the, I mean, including Lisa. Come back next week to hear Sally. And until then, Lisa, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. That's right.